Well, Roger told me, Zan, he said, if you were to die, I would quit my medical practice and I would do ER on the weekends and I would homeschool these kids. I'm so committed because of the fruit that I see in it. Hi, you're listening to the Zan Tyler Podcast. When my family started our homeschooling journey, there were so many decisions to make. But one of our best decisions was choosing to use BJU Press Homeschool. I've never seen my kids so excited to get textbooks before. I'm amazed by how interesting and interactive the lessons are. My kids actually look forward to them. We use the online video lessons for all our courses, but I know some families choose to teach from the textbooks. What I love is that I can trust BJU Press to uphold our values. The Bible and biblical principles are woven throughout each subject. I'll admit, I was a bit nervous when I started homeschooling, but I've found a wonderful online community of other BJU Press homeschool families and consultants. The Homeschool Hub also makes my job easier. I can set up our schedules and rearrange them with just a few clicks. On the dashboard, I can see each of my kids' progress, and the assignments page shows me quickly what's ready for me to check or grade. I'm glad my son's biology assignments are automatically graded. BJU Press Homeschool has given us the tools and confidence to homeschool our children. For more information, do what I did and visit the BJU Press Homeschool website or talk with your local HomeWorks consultant. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Zan Tyler podcast. Let me take just a minute to ask you to please subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen. And if this podcast has encouraged you, please leave us a review. Each review really helps us. I also want to remind everyone that we are now on YouTube so you can see the interviews I have with our amazing guests. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram as well. Today, I'm welcoming my dear friend, Jan Smith, to the podcast. Jan married Roger their last year in college, and they are an amazing couple with quite a story. They live in Louisiana, where Roger is a medical doctor, and Jan manages their horse farm and businesses. All four of their adult children were homeschooled until the college years, and home education has been an exciting journey for them. Jan is an accomplished pianist, as well as expert gardener, seamstress, and chef. She and Roger continue to serve in their church as mentors and teachers, as well as serving on the board of Homeschool Louisiana and the National Alliance of Home Education Leaders. So please enjoy my conversation with Jan. So Jan, it is so great to have you on the podcast with us today. We had such a good time, Joe and I did, talking to you and Roger about marriage, especially marriage in a homeschooling situation where it can add a little bit of pressure into our lives. So today, <laughs> I can't wait to talk to you just about homeschooling, what it is to be Thank a homeschooling mom, um, what your struggles were, what your what the benefits are that you see, all of those types of things. So tell us just a little bit about how you and Roger began homeschooling. During the medical school training years, we were married and teaching an upper elementary age study school class for our church. And we had this party at our house and what the new incoming pastor from Oregon happened to be arriving on the day that we had this party. And he dropped off two of his children at our house. And these kids were so open and bright and happy and free in meeting other people, very 
they were just not being concerned about what people thought of them. They were just very others focused. And when I found out that these kids were homeschooled, and of course, I'd never heard of that. They were from Oregon and we were in Louisiana. And Roger and I began to talk about it. And after about how amazing that would be as a consideration, and we played Bible trivia with them in their home when they were we were invited over for dinner and got to know the younger children. And it was it was just kind of a confirmation because those kids knew the word and had helped cook supper and it was just that whole exposure to the family life um and the freedom that this family had. And that's that's when we said we want that. It was confirmed in residency when we met another family that was very similar. And so by the time we moved back to Louisiana for him to start his medical practice, we were homeschooling. And of course, everybody asked us, homeschooling, what is that? Is that legal? (laughs) Yeah. What do you remember what year y'all started homeschooling? That was in 87. And our our law in Louisiana had just recently passed before that. So it was legal in Louisiana. And we were one of the first states to have our law passed. And that was just a total miracle. So we were the first homeschool families that many people knew in our area. Yeah. I was going to ask you if you had a support group or if you had any group around you when you first started homeschooling, or was it just you and Roger and the kids? It was me and Roger and the kids. And as we got to know other families and they, like us, got exposed to what a homeschooling family could look like, Then we had several friends that began homeschooling through 4-H, really. We started a little 4-H club, and those other homeschooling families would meet together. And we did monthly service activities. And, you know, more than a homeschool group, we were a service group. But it was fun. It grew. It grew with us as we grew. Our group grew. And it still is still actually in place today in our in our hometown area and it's very encouraging we're still involved in some ways with that group isn't that so encouraging and I, I know i went to the scase office yesterday which is our home, our state homeschooling organization that joe and i started back in um 1990 and it's so much fun because our grandkids are a part of it and i was speaking to the staff and there's something in that generational um passing on that I just love because we won't be here forever. That's right. Principles of education and principles of scripture and all of those will live forever. That's right. And we can be to some of those young women what we did not have, what we wished we had had, what we would have given our eye teeth to have. That's right. That kind of support and encouragement and just saying, don't worry about it. That's it. That's it. That it's a perspective shift. And it's because I can tell them they'll be so stressed about what curriculum do I choose and all that they want to do it right, you know, and you and I wanted to do what was best for our children. But in terms of doing it right, we didn't know what right was then. We just needed to love our children. We read a lot of books. We did what God had called us to do and put in our path. And whether that was at the state house or at, at the 4-H club, you know, and we, our children are the ones that set the curve for what they're wanting to attain today. And we had, we were in the dark. We had no clue 
This was the grand experiment and it works. So now you and I can tell these young families and any of these moms that are listening, we're here to tell you homeschooling works. No matter what approach you use, if you're faithful day in and day out, then it works. It's worth the effort. It's interesting because I do this talk, and you've heard it before, homeschooling as a revival movement that begins in our living rooms. Um, And in it, I talk about the importance of homeschooling being a revival movement because when you and I started, there was no infrastructure. Well, now there's this huge infrastructure. It may be invisible. It's not brick and mortar, but it's state organizations and conventions and curriculum companies like BJE Press with consultants who teach people how to use it. I mean, it's there is such a strong infrastructure. Co-ops. Yes, the co-ops and video classes. And, you know, we have, we just have all kind of, and research. We have research to show people and, and college um, admissions personnel and military. Right. They want our kids now, but before... I mean, even the difference, like when the boys were applying for college, we had to jump through all these hoops. When By the time Lizzie, seven years later, applies for college, is here's what you do as a homeschool student, you know, when she got one of their top scholarships. And so I'm, I'm just so happy for the difference in homeschooling then and the homeschooling today, just an ease of coming in. Homeschooling is never easy, but at least there's support, like you say. So let's talk for just a minute about why you have continued to homeschool. I think the biggest reason that I continued, one, I loved being with my children and I enjoyed them most days. Not every day, but most days I enjoyed it and I loved the fruit that I saw being born in their lives. When I got scared and wanted to ditch was as they were, the oldest two were in junior high and, you know, I knew that I could do kindergarten. I knew that I could do the early years and make it fun. That was my goal, was to make it fun, to get them outside as much as possible. But when I hit those junior high years, I became fearful because I thought, oh my gosh, they're going to end up being like me. And I, I didn't want, you know, I was so aware of my weaknesses at that moment. Right. And we had just built a house and moved in and I just I just thought I'm not sure I can do this and I I remember going to Roger and saying I think that we should put them in school and he said well do you like your children or the kids in the youth group better at our church and I said I like mine and he said right he said no way we're not putting them back in school because now's the worst time, junior high, high school, to put them back in school? No way. I can't believe you said that, Jan, because Joe was on the road. We'd been in the legislature. The boys were getting to junior high school age or middle school age. And I looked at Joe and I said, now I was so exhausted, just like you said. I said, now is the time to put the kids back in school. He said, I'm not putting my kids in school, in middle school or junior high school. And it was hilarious because it was such role reversal that's right you know because i had sort of been pushing 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 to keep us homeschooling and not you know pushing in a bad way but it was my impetus and so and then when joe said that i was just stunned and so we we kept homeschooling well roger told me zan he said if you were to die 
I would quit my medical practice and I would do ER on the weekends and I would homeschool these kids. I'm so committed because of the fruit that I see in it. And I remember going to my kids and saying, uh, you know, I'm sorry, guys, this is it. We are in this. I would love for you to have this amazing teacher far better than me. But, you know, Roger has committed that in those high school years, he's going to be more involved. And he did. He stepped up. You know, he's a chemistry major. So he taught rock chemistry, not me. Right. And we didn't have co-ops and things then, which I support the one that we have locally now in um, because there is a need. I don't know that I could have done chemistry. I took chemistry. But there are options. There are ways. God showed me in so many ways that he could provide for those areas that that I was not adequate in, in the computer. You know, we didn't grow up with computers. Now right. I could probably teach some of those things, but I couldn't get that time. And God just provided in miraculous ways. You know, it's all they needed. Because when we started homeschooling, you know, we just, the only thing people gave me were a hard time. And then we, you know, we didn't have, we had some neighbors who wouldn't speak to us and family members and church members who wouldn't speak to us because we were homeschooling. And it was like every night I had a alarm clock in my head it would go off at two o'clock in the morning and I would wake up and play all the negative things that people had said to me about homeschooling that day and Joe's my best friend so I'm waking him up and telling him honey I I need to process this with you what do you think am I ruining the kids are we blessing you know what and so finally after about six months of this Joe looked at me and he said Zan Jesus is always awake (laughs) (laughs) I am not lying. It really hurt my It sounds just like junk. But it changed my prayer life. And I would get up every morning at two, and I would just spend time praying for my kids and our homeschooling until the Lord gave me peace. And then I could, you know, and those were precious, precious times. You know, I wouldn't change those times for anything. But it is, you, you know, I think it's because we love our kids that we worry that we might be messing them up. You know, did you ever have a math teacher that stayed awake all night long worrying because you didn't get a geometry concept or an algebra concept or there was a character issue? You know, no, no, we do that because we love our kids and we want to inefficiency of the school system was the fact one of the factors that drove me to want to homeschool because I was the frustrated kid that had her book taken away all the time and I was bored through the high school years. And that caused frustration for me because I'm a get it done kind of person. And I had a lot of things that I was involved in, extracurricular activities, that I felt like school was in my way instead of equipping me to do a better job in those things. I felt frustrated and bored. So I really do feel like that we were able with our children for them to incorporate learning opportunities through extracurricular activities that they had time to do and that their schoolwork, um, it was just a lot more symbiotic. It, it fit together much better than the frustrations that I had in my high school years. That's right. One thing, and I, I do want to talk about this, so maybe this is a good time to talk about this now. I can remember when we first started um, homeschooling, we were probably in the spring of our first year, and I was really struggling with the curriculum we were using. It was it was just odd in South Carolina. I had this 
I had one curriculum choice that I could use. I had to either use a curriculum that be, was being used in a private or a public school in our school district. And so this particular curriculum I was using was not best for my child, Ty, who, who learned by learning and by moving and talking, not by sitting still. So I'll never forget picking up this book in the bookstore. It's out of print now. It was called Growing Up Learning by Walter Barb. And you know, Jan, it reminds me so much of the conversations you and I have had because he talks about that we really need to be focusing on our our kids' strengths in their education. And he said, you know, you'll never see a group of adults um, working from their weaknesses. They always work from their strengths. But if you had a kid who doesn't like math, instead of giving them 50 problems, we give them 100 problems. And so, you know, just this little simple thing is we really need to play to our children's strengths. And, and we'll talk about weaknesses in just a minute. I'm not saying ignore the weaknesses, but tell us how you did that in your home, you know, through the extracurriculars, through the other things y'all did during the daytime. How did you play to your children's strengths? I think where that was, was most evident was in the high school years. Instead of sending them to school, we were able to ad- help them to identify their strengths and to know what they were good at. And sometimes that was much clearer, like with our son, Caleb, he had a a very strong leadership bent that was identified, not just by us in his toddlerhood, but by others when he began to do activities in 4-H on the state level. Uh, He served on a foundation board and they said, you know what, this young man has unusual leadership ability. And they recommended we go to a John Maxwell leadership conference which was for business leaders. And we went as a family and took a pastor friend of ours. And we, after that, he read all of John Maxwell's books. He did all kinds of leadership things. And he had great leadership opportunities and speaking opportunities. Our daughter was a writer and had a real flair with her sewing capacity and so she did the state fashion board. She was the chairman of the state fashion board, did all kinds of activities through that. Um, and she took dance and other things that she did. She was able to go that direction. Rodney, our third child, he was an entrepreneur and he started his own business because he couldn't have done traditional high school. He had a, a visual discrepancy issue that actually turned out to be a major strength for him as a photographer. And, um, but he had, he had a skateboard building business. He ran, he built ramps and sponsored skateboard tournaments and did all kinds of crazy opportunities, built a whole skate park for a large church in our area. They wouldn't have been able to do that had they not been homeschooling and really be able to go the direction they needed to go. Our younger son, his was not as clearly identified but he did well in math. He wanted to build an electric car, which he wasn't able to do, you know, like Tesla ended up doing. He did become an electrical engineer, though. And they did baseball. We showed, the oldest two showed horses. They did scouts. Emily did Girl Scouts, and I was one of the leaders for that. Roger was the cub master, because what we found is that if you want your children to participate in something, you got to have some skin in the game. And the same thing with speech and debate. We we ended up getting involved in that. Sometimes we think that with our involvement, that it's causing a hindrance from their school, you know? One of the 
times that I felt that way was right before a tournament when I was making calls to line up judges to come and judge at these speech and debate tournaments that we hosted. I would kind of have to separate myself from the children for a while so that I could be focused on these phone calls that I was making. And I never met these people. We live out in the country, very small area. And so I would be calling people an hour to three hours away and talking with them. And yet at the time when I felt guilty for having to seclude myself from the children, Rodney would be listening, you know, right through the door. That was my one son. And he had a particular interest. And I remember a conversation where he asked me, how long have you known that person? And I said, oh, I've never met them. And he said, well, how can you talk to them like you know them? And I said, well, I remembered last year some things that, you know, she said, and I had made some notes. And so I would ask them about that. And what I did not know is that I was training him on how to do cold calls. And that son now makes a very good living making cold calls for his sales job. And the way the Lord is going to use all those things in such different, different ways. You know, I can, you know, sometimes sports gets a bum rap in homeschooling, but our boys were, Joe was a college athlete. Our boys both played soccer in college and, and um, they were great athletes. And those turned into real um, ministry opportunities for them. You know, both of the boys um, ended up being a counselor with an FCA camp with kids. Uh, my second son, John, was asked by a pastor in Columbia, not our pastor, when he was in college to put together a soccer team in Columbia, coach them and take them to England and Wales as an outreach, a soccer outreach and sharing the gospel. And, and I'll never forget um, Ty and John coming home from a, a, a support group meeting one day. Back in the day, P.E. was a big thing. I no, don't know what why. What are we going to do about P.E.? Yeah. I know. I know. You know, it, everything is just kind of a cyclical. And um, so Ty and John came home one day. They're plotting up in their rooms. And I'm going up there. They're like 12 and 14. What are you guys doing? And they said, Mom, all the moms at the support groups, they were talking to us about it because they don't know how to teach P.E. We know P.E. And so... <laughs> Uh, unbeknownst to me, they had rented our community center, you know, oh. with the soccer field and the basketball court. Ty had just gone through child evangelism fellowship training, and he had, they had talked to six mothers. And so one of the mothers Ooh. said, I'll have a mother there every week. So they had this PE class for an hour and a half or two hours once a week for six weeks. They charged like a dollar or something, then just enough to pay for the, the, um, the center. And then Ty and John would do a devotion and a prayer time with these kids afterwards. And because they were teenage boys, that was really cool, you know, for the other kids. And so so you don't know, just like Rodney with the cold calls, you don't know how the Lord is going to use all of these things in their lives, not only for them, but for other people. Amen. Amen. So tell us a little bit about 4-H Club. Well, you think of cows and cooking with 4-H, but it is so much more than that. And early on, 4-H was one of the most homeschool-friendly things that you could do because the kids could participate fully, even on a state level, you know. And so we had a local club, and in that local club, one of the, that's um, that's in our community. Instead of a school, we had a whole parish homeschool club. And one of the things they like you to do is 
a a service, a community service each month. And so that kind of held my feet to the fire. I wanted to teach my kids service. I wanted uh-huh. to do that. But when you can incorporate it into kind of your, yeah. your extracurricular, yeah. then it gives some accountability and reward system built in. Yes. And so we did a lot of service through 4-H. And again, I grew up as a home economist. I, I became a home economist at in my college. I graduated in that. And so I had always sewn. I was able to sew very well. But I'm not sure that I would have taught my children to sew had I not had 4-H competitions to do and to model. So I taught Emily early on to sew in she she just took it and ran with it, and so yeah, she's doing that professionally now in a whole different than leather. And I mean, it's amazing. Making leather jackets and leather dresses and all of that, but it started when she was eight years old with me just teaching her how to make an apron. And you know, really, what she wanted to do was to cut her blue jeans off and to sew tiers of fabric on it that had horses <laughs> on it, and so. I, um, she always had her own sense of style and looking back now that they're adults, you say, you know, we saw that early on, like when Roger would read aloud at night, she would cut out with, with scissors, all of the things that she would color in her coloring book. She would cut it out, cut out each person, you know, detailed cutting. So we kept getting her better and better scissors so that she could cut. Well, now she's making fringed purses that she cuts freehand. And it just, it's its so cool, again, to see what God does with our little efforts and how he multiplies that and blesses it. I remember a friend of mine, Deb Bell, would always say, God delights in opening doors and blessing our children. And Amen. so, you know, I just, I, I know you've done the same thing. I encourage you moms out there just to pray that the Lord will open those doors for your kids and, and bless them. You know, he, it, the rule of the kingdom is asking and he is waiting for us to ask on behalf of our children to bless them and, and turn these opportunities, these, these things that seem like mundane opportunities into really important things in their lives professionally and from a ministry standpoint and all of that. I know um, my daughter, my youngest child, Lizzie, was not interested in sports at all, but she loved the fine arts. So she's very involved in the fine arts. We um, didn't send her to the governor's school, although she would have qualified, but we found Christian people who could support her in all of her fine arts endeavors and really back up, you know, back up her faith and one day, I remember she came home and she said, I see a lot of starving artists, but there's got to be something I can do with this skill set. That's how she got interested in broadcast journalism and journalism. And our news director, at the, our, we used to have an award-winning Christian radio station in Columbia, Bob, and Bob Holmes was the news director. And he would hire a homeschool student every year just to be his intern. And it wanted to get coffee and do files. He said, Zan, this is to learn the hardware and the software and do interviews. It was just a great opportunity for her. So, you know, all of our kids have different interests and bents. And yet, like you say, that's an important part of what our kids do. Ray Vanderlaan, and I I say this all the time, but I think it's worth saying, the books we choose are our curriculum. And he is an educator and he loves books. So do I. So that was really important to him. But he said the interruptions, the distractions, and the 
other events that God brings into our lives are his curriculum for our children. And so it is so nice to know that the interruptions are part of his curriculum for our kids. Some of the, the tragedies or the hard times they go through. And then the way that I just enables them in their giftings. I think all of those things is just part of God's, you know, just God undertaking for our children. He loves our kids. I know we can't, I mean, it's hard for us to imagine anybody loving our kids more than we do, but he does. You know, Zia, hearing you talk about that reminds me that some of my friends that homeschooled in high school, even, they said they could not do some of the activities that we did, like teen pack and speech and debate and all of this, because you have preparation for those events and it takes away from their school, you know, whereas we felt that all of those things were part of our school That's- and that they learned and grew in ways like that, that they would not learn otherwise. And I really do believe that that was a critical part of their training, like for Caleb in Scouts, how he ended up in- incorporating all of those leadership things that he had been learning when as the, he was the senior patrol leader to take a whole scout delegation to the, the National Scout Jamboree in D.C. You don't think that was a learning opportunity for a young man studying leadership or becoming the state 4-H president and doing some of the activities that he got to do? He went three times to Washington, D.C. on the, the, the pity of, of 4-H to do some leadership activities that changed him as a young man, you know. You know, earlier in the marriage um, podcast we did, Jan, we talked a little bit about setting our kids up for success. So I know we, we talked about this just a week ago, but let's close with that because, you know, we love homeschooling because we love our kids and we want them to succeed in life. We, you know, we have so many hopes and dreams for them, but we want to encourage them in their strengths and in their interests. I feel like listening to them and knowing who they are, what they love, you know, because we often get stuck in a curriculum, we, we consider what they want to learn about as being something that's a side thing, whereas it maybe should be the main thing that they learn about. So I was kind of a, what would be considered an eclectic homeschooler. We did a lot of read-alouds. We did um, some of this, that, and the other, but we also incorporated a lot of these activities into what we considered to be their learning and their training. I think that teaching your children to work and to identify what they love is really important for training them for success, no matter what curriculum, no matter what career path they go into. If they are hard workers, if they have solid character, if they know how to get along with others and to express love for them, and then the foundation of the Word of God and knowing God, that they are going to then be able to do whatever it is that God calls them. But if we listen to them, if we allow them the freedom to move forward in what they want to pursue, and then help to you know, to give them the tools they need to be really good at that. I think that we set them up for success and that we don't need to be afraid 
of what it is they're going to do because somebody who can learn, who can work, and who can love they and solve different. problems. Yes. You know. Yes. To think. Knowing mm-hmm. how to think clearly. That's right. Well, Jan, thank you so much for being here today. How can people find you? You can find me at rogersmithmd.com because we do a ministry called Parenting Matters Now. And so we teach, uh, my husband's written a book called um, Parenting with Influence. And so we do marriage retreats and we speak at parenting conferences. We're doing one here in town right now. And we just went through the exercise this week with this, this couples that were at this conference and said, what is it that you want? What is the goal of your parenting? And they always list character traits. They don't list being able to, you know, solve a certain type of math problem or something like that, or to write a three-page essay. They talk about the character of the person they want. So um, Parenting Matters Now is a podcast that my husband does, but our ministry is mostly together. We do speaking on marriage and family and that would be listed at rogersmithmd.com. And we have um, a lot of videos that are up there. That, that's super. Well, thank you all for being here with us today. I know that being with Jan has blessed you like it's blessed me. I want to take just a minute to thank our sponsor, BJU Press Homeschool, for the way they've grown in the homeschooling um, community um, with videos and curriculum where learning styles and flexibility can be taken into account. If you need any help, you can find any of our consultants who are all homeschooling moms at homeschoolhelp.com slash map. Go to that map and you can find where a consultant in your area lives. And these consultants will be able to answer any of your questions about curriculum and homeschooling. They'll be your prayer partners and your supporters. So, uh, and if you have any other questions, you can find me at zantyler.com. So I want to thank you all for listening today, for being here. And until next time, bye.